You know, and I, I, I'm, I'm going to start with an image that uh, really illustrates what we've learned about what our giving does. Because a lot of times we just think, oh, we're just throwing money in the pot and, and that's it. This image really illustrates for us what happens with our giving. It's kind of like this kernel of corn that goes in the ground. And what comes up is this stalk. It's the thing that ultimately is going to hold the fruit, but it's for us, it'd be like the building and the program and the events and the services. Well, as that stalk grows, what happens? It produces husks of corn. That's the life change. That's God's work. That's the glory. Uh, but then, you know, what comes from there is that all of a sudden, now the new seed is people. People whose lives have been changed and touched by Jesus, by the ministry here, going back out into the world and seeding the Lord Jesus into the world around us. That's really what happens with your giving. And we saw that picture today just by what we have done. And so there was a passage I couldn't help but think of uh, when I thought about today, and that's in 2 Chronicles so it's First Chronicles chapter 29. If you could turn to there in your Bibles, I'll tell you what it's about. In the Old Testament, you may be more familiar with Corinthians, but this is Chronicles <laughs> in the Old Testament. You may have to look at the index to find it. But we're going to be in chapter 29, and the reason I picked this passage today is because the situation is so much like ours. King David was aging. He was getting old. And God was transitioning the kingdom from David to his son Solomon. And David's heart was to set up things for Solomon, whom God had given the work to build the temple. And so David's desire was to get the resources and put it in place so that David, I'm sorry, so that Solomon could thrive in the ministry God had given him. Now, if you've been here the last number of weeks, and I've shared the last two weeks about, that's my heart. My heart is to set Moraine Valley up in a place that the next senior pastor can fly with the work that God gives them. Last week, we talked about the internal changes. That was one of my heart. The other part was the paying of the mortgage. And this really puts our new guy in a new, new position to really thrive. But their situation is like ours. Israel at that time was in a transition of leadership from one king to the next, and Moraine Valley right now is in a transition of leadership from one pastor to another. And listen to what David says in verse 1 of 2nd, I'm sorry, 1st Chronicles 29. Then King David said to the entire assembly, my son Solomon, whom alone God has chosen, is still young and inexperienced, and the work is great. Now, by great, I don't mean it's big, it's great in importance. This work, we see that because of the phrase that follows. He says, this work is great, for the temple is not for man, but for the Lord. What makes a work great is when it's done for the Lord. 
when it's a building for the Lord, when it's a program for the Lord, when it's an event for the Lord, when it's a service for the Lord, it, when a mother is changing a diaper for the Lord, when you're doing your job as unto the Lord rather than man, it becomes a great work. What makes a work great is when it's done for the Lord. And then David said what he did in verse two. Now with all my ability, I have provided for the house of my God. And he talks about gold and silver and bronze and iron and wood and all kinds of stones. So much like many of us today, <laughs> you've been the ones who've provided for what has gone on here and what's taking place. But then in verse three, David says this, moreover, or in, dish, in addition to what I've already done, in my delight, in the house of my God, the treasure I have of gold and silver, I give to the house of my God over and above all that I already provided for. This is what, God, what David is doing. I already gave all this, he tells us in the verse before. He says, now I'm gonna give more. In addition to what I've already given, I'm gonna take more of what God has placed in my hand and I'm gonna give it to the work, but I love it. He did it in my delight in the house of my God. He's delighting in this great work. It's his delight to give to it because it's a great work. It's the house of God. This passage, I think, is one of the best examples in the Bible of what 2 Corinthians 9 says. 9-7 says this, God loves a cheerful giver. And we're gonna see here in this passage, people that gave cheerfully and joyfully and willingly. For fact, 2 Corinthians 9-7 says, God doesn't, God doesn't want people giving grudgingly or out of obligation or feeling guilt or shame. He wants their gifts to be out of joy and love for him and what he's doing. And that's what we see David doing here. And then he invites those in the crowd as he assembled all the people together. Those of you that have willing and joyful hearts and are delighting in what God's doing, I encourage you to give to it as well. Listen to what he says in verse five as you get halfway through the verse. Who then is willing? Who then is willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord? And then what happens is that the leaders respond first. And we see in verse six, then the rulers of the father's household, the princes, the commanders, the overseers, they all offered willingly gigantic gifts. And then we see in verse nine that the people then the people, so it started with the leaders. He's speaking this out. Who's willing here? Who's got joy? Who delights in what God is doing? Who wants to be a part of this? The leaders respond first, and then the people rejoiced because they had offered so willingly, for they made their offering to the Lord with a whole heart. And King David rejoiced. I want you to see something here. Very unique, very not North American. 
you know, a lot of Christians, oh, they're not going to talk about giving again, and they get all uptight about it. You're going to see something here in this passage. We're here today to celebrate and rejoice over the fruit of our giving. They were celebrating and rejoicing over the act of giving. They were thrilled with, I can't believe it, I get to give. I get to give to God's work. I can't believe it. God has put this in my hand and now I get to give back to God what he's given to me. That's the attitude here and that's the attitude that God looks for in giving. It's not obligation. It's not guilt. It's not shame. It's not I ought to. It's a heart that says, man, I delight in this. I delight in God. I delight in his work. I delight in what he's doing. So I just want to say this this morning. Just taking a few minutes. I know you guys are looking forward to your chili, so I won't hold you long. But I want to speak to those in the crowd today who are willing, who are excited, who are joyful over what God is doing here at Moraine Valley Church. It isn't about shame. This isn't about guilt. This isn't about obligation. I want to speak to you, and I want to invite you this morning, much like David did to those who had the same heart. And let me tell you why I'm doing it. This is a pivotal Sunday at Moraine Valley Church. And we're celebrating an amazing work of what God has done here. But guess what? We're not celebrating the return of Jesus. If Jesus returned, our work would be done. And our need for giving and the joy and the cheer of giving would no longer be necessary. So I want to speak to you about two opportunities here. First of all, our weekly ministry budget. You know, here's the reality. Since COVID, we've taken a gigantic hit there. Actually, last year alone, our giving was $230,000 below budget. That's a pretty significant amount. And... Uh, I guess you say, well, what happens when you're short on the budget as a church? My guess is it isn't too much different than what happens in your home or what happens in my home. Because what I do is this, when a new opportunity or new idea comes up, guess what I start with? No, <laughs> can't afford it. Um, you know what happens when you hear no enough? You stop dreaming. You stop thinking about, well, we could do this or we could do that. You go, can't afford it. Don't even bother dreaming. We can't even take this little idea and pay for it. How are we going to do another one? That's the reality of what happens with the church is that often they start with no and they stop dreaming because they want to be physically responsible with the money. And the second opportunity is with really what's got us here today is our mortgage fund. We're changing the name of that fund to our building the future. And that's gonna be the name of the fund because we have all kinds of things that uh, are in our future that to be honest with you, we weren't able to put in our budget. Uh, just because that was something that we're to be responsible just daily. So we got things coming in our future. Uh, we have, um, this transition costs money. That's the reality. We're actually looking for a youth pastor to come in. There's going to be some expenses there that play into this. 
And uh, you, you got expenses for training. And anybody that hires people will understand all this. There's training, there'll be coaching. We may need a consultant to help us do this well. There's startup costs all the way from remodeling their office so it works for them and all their tech needs and what they need to do the work. There'll be special events. There's introductions that have to take place. We may even need a retreat for our new senior pastor and our staff and maybe even our boards uh, because there's a whole bunch of changes in relationships. When you had a guy who's been here almost 40 years, you can imagine how big the change of culture is going to be. There's search costs. There's hiring costs. There's baton pass. We don't, we don't have the salary of the new guy in our budget. But we had hoped and we're hoping that he will be here before this year is over. And so then there's other misery. The, 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 the list goes on and on. But for the, trans, the transition needs to go smooth for the health of our church. And we know that experientially because there's many churches that didn't do well in their transitions. And because of that, their church has been set back for years. That's just the fact. And if you know churches, you look around, you see that's a reality. And we're trying to avoid that. And we're seeking God for his wisdom and his input and his provisions to make that happen. So here's the opportunity for you that are here today. <coughs> Excuse me. Those of you that say, man, I'm excited what God's doing here. I can't believe I get to give to it. I want to be a part of this. This brings me delight and joy. Let me tell you about three opportunities. First of all is our weekly ministry offering. Maybe your heart's being stirred today and you haven't been giving to it. That'd be the place to start. That is the offering that makes the greatest impact of what we do as a church. You know, we see the tangible results often of a offering and we build a room or remodel this. But we saw today, you know what, guys? The daily, weekly budget is about life changes and God's work and glory. Maybe there are some of you here today, I'm like delighted and this is what God's doing here, I'd encourage you to prayerfully consider before the Lord, would he have you increase your weekly giving so we can begin to get back to a place where our budget matches our offerings. Let me give you a second opportunity. Those who've been giving to our mortgage fund, and there have been many of you that have that have kept us. I, I would ask you to prayerfully consider to continue to give, but now switch those funds to our building the future fund. Because that's what's going to address many of the financial needs that I just talked about. And there may be some here who say, man, I got a heart for what's going to happen in the future here. Uh, and you haven't been given. You could also begin to start to do that if God's exciting your heart for that. But I encourage you, give first to the general budget. That's the most important, the most impactful one we can have. Then finally, there may be some here today who feel led to give a legacy gift. That's what this passage was about. David was giving a large gift for something he would never see, something he would never feel the impact of. And a legacy gift is it's kind of like planting an oak tree where I put that seed in the ground, but you don't see the tree or start to get shade from it for a decade or two. 
And so there may be some here that God's stirring your heart and exciting you to give a large legacy gift to accelerate what God's doing here. And I'd encourage you, if that's your heart today, choose, would it be to our ministry budget to help us get more in that ballpark of where we need to be? Or would you want to give it to the building the future fund or maybe both? It's your choice. I'm not going to tell you what to do with it. But if God's stirring your heart, those are the opportunities today for us. And I just want to say, I love you guys. I appreciate you. It's amazing what God has done through this group of people. And I can't wait to see what he's going to do through this group of people in the years to come. Josh, Father, I want to thank you so much for this church, for this people, for the amazing work you've done. And by faith, I look forward to the amazing work you're going to do. And God, I pray that you would make us more like the people in this chapter. God, that we would be people who get just as excited to be able to give as to be able to celebrate what you've done. So Father, we, again, this day is all about you. It's all about your glory. It's all about what you've done. We're grateful for the privilege to be a part of it. And Lord, I just pray that what, if nothing else leaves today, we leave with, we see the fulfillment of your promises all over our lives and all over this church and your faithfulness. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.